mock draft. Okay, I'm back to bring you guys my 60 pick mock draft. I'll do my best to get this get through this a little bit quicker than I did the big board because now you know about the players. Uh, you know about their strengths and weaknesses, so I'll just more talk about their fit with their teams. But yeah, let's get right into it. At number one, I got Anthony Edwards going to the Minnesota Timberwolves. I heavily debated uh, having LaMelo Ball here. Oh, and by the way, I'm not going to have any trades for this because I could very well see another team trading up for the number one pick and taking LaMelo Ball. But I think Anthony Edwards just has to be the pick uh, as long as they stay there. It just makes way too much sense you get a guard that can really score the ball next to D'Angelo Russell. Worried about his defensive ability. Uh, especially on that team, but uh, I just think it makes way too much sense for them to get for them uh, to not get Anthony Edwards. And number two with uh, the Golden State Warriors, as them selecting James Wiseman was heavily debating them uh, selecting Denny of Dia, but I think you just have to draft James Wiseman just due to the uh, bigs that are coming up in the Western Conference with Anthony Davis, with Nikola Jokic. You need a big man who is super athletic like him. I also wouldn't be surprised if they uh, traded down and drafted Onyeka Kongwu. I would honestly like that more for them, as I'm a bigger fan of him than James Wiseman. Uh, but he does have some nice skills that I think the Warriors can translate into being a very solid player. But wouldn't be surprised to see them go in an une uh, unexpected direction either. At number three, I have the Hornets taking LaMelo Ball. Now, I could see them uh, going in a different direction. They have been uh, rumored to be a big fan of, on of Onyeka Kongwu. Uh, and they do have some nice guards there uh, with Terry Rogier uh, and with Devontae Graham. But I think LaMelo Ball is too good of a talent. And those guys aren't so good where you pass up on a guy like LaMelo Ball. So I, make it, I think it makes complete sense for them to get him. At number four, I have the Chicago Bulls uh, selecting Denny Evdia. I think this is an absolutely excellent fit for them. Uh, they've been needing help on the wing. They've dealt with a lot of in injuries with Otto Porter. He's dealt with so many injuries uh, for them, even though he's a solid player. And he just uh, it, that's the one position where they don't really have like a young player at. They have uh, Kobe White and Zach Levine at the guards. They have uh, uh, Lowry Market and Wendell Carter at the bigs. They really need that wing for the future. Another guy who can play make on their team as well, which is something they need. Uh, and a guy who can be a good defender. So I, I think that's a seamless fit. And I think uh, it'd be a big W for them to get Denny Evdia. At number five, I have the Cleveland Cavaliers selecting Isaiah Okoro. A really good defender for them. Uh, and that's what they need desperately with their two guards. If they're going to continue to have those uh, guards in Darius Garland and Colin Sexton, they're going to need uh, good defenders all around them. And I think having Isaiah, uh, Isaac Okoro as a building piece uh, is really, really nice. And he's another guy who can can play make as well uh they need help at that wing position desperately uh they really just don't have that much there so i think the isaac coral fit makes a lot of sense there number six i have tyrese halliburton going to atlanta i think this is an absolutely uh pitcher perfect fit uh they definitely need defense there they uh, need a secondary ball handler uh next to trey young another guy who can play make as well and if you had a lineup like trey young tyrese halliburton uh, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, and John Collins. I think that's so dynamic, so uh, incredible, and I think that's a beautiful fit for them for sure. Uh, number seven, I have uh, Detroit taking Killian Hayes. They need a point guard of the future. They do have some intriguing uh, big men uh, with uh, Seku Demboya and Christian Wood being a player that they could potentially retain in free agency. On uh, Killian Hayes, I think he's a great talent, so them getting him at seven is a really, really good pickup for them. Uh, number eight, I have the New York Knicks selecting uh, Patrick Williams. He is a player 
who I could definitely see going higher. Uh, Troy has been rumored to like him quite a bit, but I just don't think they can pass on Killian Hayes if he's there. Uh, and I could definitely see him lower. I could see him going to a team like Phoenix as well. Uh, but for now, I have him going eight to the New York Knicks. Uh, a guy who I think Tom Thibodeau would like quite a lot, a hardworking guy, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I think he fits that culture quite a lot, uh, and I just like that fit. Uh, at number nine, I have the Wizards selecting Onyeka Okongwu. I think if he slipped down to them, they absolutely cannot pass that up. I could definitely see teams trading up for him. I could see teams trading down for him. I could see the Celtics trying to trade up, as that has been something that's been rumored. Or I could see the Warriors trading down and trying to select him. Uh, it's kind of surprising for me that I had him slide all the way to nine, because I think he's so talented. But I just don't think he fit with any of the other teams uh, with the prospects that were uh, available for them but he's a really good player uh even though i do like thomas bryant quite a bit he's not so good where uh you you shouldn't select someone like onyeka kongu and i think that's excellent for them at 10 i have uh the phoenix sun selecting obi toppin uh shown by the chris paul move they're trying to win right now he could be a player that could come in uh, and immediately make an impact they need help at the four position for sure uh, and he could be a really good score for them uh, immediately. And I, I really like that fit a ton. I think that's perfect for uh, both sides. Obi Toppin gets to play for a competitive team with good playmakers that can get him the ball. Uh, he can be a lob threat for sure. And then uh, the Phoenix Suns get a player that can help uh, winning basketball immediately and right now. Uh, at 11, I have the San Antonio Spurs selecting Devin Vassell. They have a lot of very good guards, uh, and they could definitely use some help at the wing position uh, for sure. Uh, I like their guards a ton. I like Lonnie Walker. I like Derek White. Uh, I like DeJounte Murray. Uh, and you get a guy who can really shoot the ball, can play defense as well, especially in this draft where there's not many star players. I think they should get just another complimentary guy. Uh, and they definitely need three-point shooting, and he can really, really shoot the ball. So I like that fit a ton. Uh, number 12, I have the Kings selecting Aaron Nesmith. I expect them to trade Buddy Heald sooner rather than later. So I think getting a guy who's very similar to Buddy Heald makes a lot of sense. He does have more size, too. Uh, so they could play him with Bojan Bogdanovic. And I really like that a lot. I like the fit of them getting Aaron uh, Nesmith a ton. At 13, I got the Pelicans drafting Jalen Smith. I just think this opportunity they absolutely couldn't pass up on. He is... Uh, the perfect fit next to Zion William can, Williamson can shoot the ball, uh, can protect the rim, and just get out of his way. I think it's too perfect of a fit for them to pass up on it. At number 14, I have the Celtics selecting Kyra Lewis. Uh, he is a player who uh, isn't a big, which is their biggest weakness. And Some people may be a little bit puzzled by this pick, but I do think uh, Kyra Lewis just makes a lot of sense for them uh, because Kemba Walker is someone who... Uh, has dealt with some knee injuries this past year, which are a bit concerning. They needed backup point guard play anyway, so getting a guy like Kyra Lewis who could come in and play some good basketball for them immediately and could be the point guard of the future because Kemba Walker is on a three-year contract. He is an older player, so you can get Kyra Lewis to develop behind Kemba, come in for him if he's dealing with injuries, and Kemba can load manage because you have a reliable guy like Kyra Lewis. Uh, and I like that fit a ton for the Boston Celtics. I think that would be a really, really good pick for them. Uh, number 15, I have the Orlando Magic selecting Tyrese Maxey. They need a guy who can uh, create his own shot, who can shoot the ball. Uh, and I think this is just a perfect fit for them. I think he'd make a really nice backcourt with uh, Markel Fultz. Uh, they both play uh, two pretty different roles, but do have somewhat similar games. Uh, and I think that would be a really nice fit. I just love the Tyrese Maxey to the Orlando Magic fit. Uh, number 16, I have the Portland Trailblazers selecting Sadiq Bey. I absolutely love this so much. Uh, their biggest weakness has been 
defense at the forward position. Uh, and then you get someone like Sadiq Bey, who not only is a very solid defensive player, but is going to be a very good offensive player as well, who can shoot the ball, who can create his own shot. It's just such a nice and well-rounded player. Uh, and I think he's the absolutely perfect fit for the Portland Trailblazers. At number 17, I have the Minnesota Timberwolves uh, selecting Precious Achua. Uh, I really like this fit. He's a guy who can develop alongside their other young guys. Uh, and their biggest weakness by far is the forward position. Uh, that forward position for the Timberwolves is very, very poor. So getting someone uh, like Precious Achua who can come in and play uh, good defense next to Carl Anthony Towns, which they desperately need, can rebound the ball well and can just fit into that role and not be asked to do much more. I think that's a perfect fit for both sides. And I really like the Precious Achua uh, to Minnesota Timberwolves fit. At number 18, I have the Dallas Mavericks selecting Desmond Bain. I've had this every time uh, I've done a mock draft, no matter how many times I've changed this. I think it's just the perfect fit to have Desmond Bain going to uh, the Dallas Mavericks. He's going to be the perfect 3 and D player next to Luka Doncic. And I just think it's absolutely perfect to have uh, Desmond Bain going 18 to the Dallas Mavericks. At number 19, I have the Brooklyn Nets selecting Tyler Bay. Uh, they really need help at that four. Uh, four position they need defense desperately he's going to be someone that can immediately come in play good defense can shoot the ball pretty well uh, as well and I just I think that's a seamless fit having Tyler Bay uh, going to the Brooklyn Nets I absolutely love it it's higher than a lot of people do have him but I think the Brooklyn Nets would like a player like Tyler Bay a ton I think they would realize how perfect of a fit he is and number 20 I've the Miami Heat getting an absolute steal and getting Tyrell Terry uh, I think he fits perfectly into that culture, a very hardworking guy who uh, has earned everything he's gone, got a lot better in the extra time he had to prepare for the NBA draft, has gone from a guy who uh, was probably going to be a, a late first to maybe even second round pick to someone who I could uh, see even going earlier than this. But I think the Miami Heat is a perfect fit with Goran Dragic being an older player, being a free agent. They need some uh, guard play for the future. They get another guy who can really shoot the ball, and man, that's just... That's just so ridiculous how many shooters the Miami Heat are getting. And I think if they get Tyrell Terry, that's an absolute steal. One of the best picks in the entire draft. And I just really like it. At 21, I have the Philadelphia 76ers selecting uh, Jamius Ramsey. They need a big-time shot maker, someone who can just um, be a guy who comes off the bench and be a flamethrower for them. And I absolutely love the Jamius Ramsey to Philadelphia fit. I think it's perfect. I think they can mold him into being a good defender. He has some defensive lapses here and there. His IQ can be questionable sometimes. But he has the size. He has the athleticism. Uh, and he already has the skill as a shooter. So I really like Jamis Ramsey going to the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, 22, I have the Denver Nuggets selecting Josh Green. Uh, they need someone to replace Gary Harris at some point. As his offense has kind of fallen off a cliff. And Josh Green reminds me of, of Gary Harris when he was good on the offensive side of the ball. So he can come in, be a 3 and D guy, uh, be a really good defender next to uh, Jamal Murray. And I just like that fit a ton. I think it's perfect for both sides. Uh, 23, I have the Utah Jazz selecting Cole Anthony. Uh, they need some uh, point guard play for the future. Mike Conley is on a one-year contract, and he was uh, pretty bad for them last year. Even though he had some flashes, he just was not consistent at all. And then they really don't really uh, have a backup point guard. So getting someone like Cole Anthony who can uh, hit tough shots, can create his own shot. Next to Donovan Mitchell, you have two guys who can really be buckets for you. Even though I think that could be an awkward fit at sometimes, I also do think uh, it could work out. Uh and I just couldn't really see him slipping much lower than this, so uh, it just felt right to pick him at 23 to the Utah Jazz. 
Uh, number 24, the Milwaukee Bucks selecting Isaiah Joe, someone who could come in and just be an unconscious shooter for them, something that I think they really need, someone who just doesn't care uh, and is going to be a big-time shot maker for them. So I absolutely love uh, this fit of Isaiah Joe becoming a Milwaukee Buck. At number 25, I have the Ma- uh, I have the Oklahoma City Thunder selecting uh, Alexis Pokusevsky. Uh, he is going to be a player that's not going to be able to play immediately for them at all, but they're going to be tanking this season anyway. They have traded away most of their good uh, players that are older, so I think having uh, Pokusevsky to develop, put him in the G League, uh, let his body develop especially because that's honestly the biggest thing is all skills are there. You just need that body to develop. Uh, and I think that's a really high ceiling pick for them. And I think it makes sense. If he slides this low, they absolutely have to pick him. Uh, 26, I have the Boston Celtics select, selecting Robert Woodard. I just think it makes a lot of sense for them to get a 3 and D wing. Because uh, that's been a bit of an issue is even though they have really good wing play. Especially when uh, Gordon Hayward is dealing with injuries, which happens quite frequently. Uh they need someone off the bench who can just uh, be a good defender, be a good shooter. Because they have Semi Ojalay, who is a good defender, but is an atrocious shooter, and that's by far his biggest issue. So I think having him as a ro- just a nice rotation piece who could come in and immediately play good basketball, which they need because they need more bench depth, and they need players that can help him right now. I really like uh, the Robert Woodard to Boston fit. Uh, number 27, I have the Knicks taking RJ Hampton, and he couldn't really slide any lower than this. Uh, and they get a high-ceiling guy who can do a lot of intriguing things. I am worried about him uh, becoming like the next Dante Exum, but I think the uh, Knicks would like this pick quite a lot, especially because they drafted four uh, earlier in the draft, so I think it makes sense for them to draft a guard right now. Uh, next at 28, we got the Thunder drafting uh, Leandro Barmalo. Uh, I like this uh, quite a lot because, again, they're tanking. Uh, I think they're just going to continue to take high-ceiling guys uh, who have a lot of potential. He can be a guy who can do a lot of different things as a point forward type of player who can play one through three, who can guard all those positions, who can play make, who can uh, dribble, just needs to improve that shooting. Uh, and yeah, he's just another guy who I think they could develop into being a very solid player. Uh, 29, I have the Toronto Raptors selecting uh, Xavier Tillman. I really like this for them, especially because they could be losing a lot of that big man depth that they do have uh, in this free agency with Marcus Gasol being a free agent, with Serge Ibaka being a free agent, uh, and with Chris Busey being a free agent. So I think getting a high Q player, he fits into the Toronto mold very well. Just a high Q smart player who's smart on the defensive side of the ball, good playmaker. I think that's just an absolutely seamless fit for them, and I really like that in the late first round. Uh, and the last pick in the first round, I have my Boston Celtics selecting Daniel Toro. Uh, I think they would really like his potential as a shooter, his uh, potential to be a very good defender, shot blocker as well. Uh, and I just think it makes sense for them at the 30th pick to take a bit of a flyer on a guy who could uh, just flame out, but also has a potential to be very, very solid. I like his game quite a lot, uh, and I like this pick for the Boston Celtics. And starting the second round, the first pick we got in the second round, we got... Uh, Jaden McDaniels going to the Dallas Mavericks. I really like this. Uh, he's another guy where I've had this in basically every mock, Jaden McDaniels going to the Mavericks, because I just really like his ability uh, to shoot the ball for them. They have an excellent coaching staff, and I think that would really help uh, on, I think that would really help unlock his ability uh, as, uh, oh my, James Harden, wants to be a contender elsewhere and Brooklyn and Philadelphia are believed to be his top. Oh my God. James Harden just requested a trade. 
Oh my god. I was literally talking about this earlier in the podcast about how I don't think he's going to be traded to the Brooklyn Nets and I don't like that. That is crazy. Oh my goodness, James Harden just requested a trade. Wow. Wow, that is insane. Well, I mean, I I literally talked about it earlier in the podcast, so uh Wow, James Harden really asked for a trade. That is wild. What a day we're having in the NBA. This is so incredible. Wow. Oh my goodness, James Harden. And Brooklyn and Philadelphia are believed to be his top desired destinations. Well, I talked about that earlier in the podcast, how I like the Philadelphia fit, and I like the trade for both sides, and I don't like the Brooklyn fit, and I don't like the trade for both sides. So, yeah, it's my opinion on that. But, wow, what a wild day in the NBA, man. This has been, wow, this is going to be so annoying to edit for the Clips channel because I just keep getting news every single time when I'm trying to talk about these topics. Well, yeah, I didn't did with Daniels going to the Mavericks. I think they could develop him. They have uh, have a really good development staff. Uh, and I think he fits next to Luka Doncic, a guy who can shoot the ball at the four position, who can create his own shot as well. Uh, uh, next, I have Charlotte taking Paul Reed. Uh, he's just a guy who could come in, be a good defensive four for them, uh, bring some energy for them off the bench. I do like P.J. Washington quite a bit. Uh, but they could use a backup four, so yeah, that's why I'd probably read going to them. Uh, number three in the second round, I had the Minnesota Timberwolves s- selecting uh, Thilo Melodon. They need some backup point guard play for the future, uh, and I think it makes a lot of sense for them to get him. He could be a developmental piece. Uh, D'Angelo Russell has been a player who's dealt with injuries here and there. So yeah, getting a really nice and solid backup point guard. And he could pro- he could play uh, alongside D'Angelo Russell in the backcourt as well, because he's probably going to be a pretty decent defender. So yeah, I like that fit a ton for them. I have the Philadelphia 76ers uh, selecting Malachi Flynn. I think that's a perfect fit for them. They need some more uh, playmaking, need some more ball handling, uh, especially coming off that bench. Uh, and he'd be a really good shooter for them as well. So I think that's just an absolutely pers- perfect pick that they cannot pass up on. I have the Sacramento Kings selecting Nico Mannion. Uh, they need some backup point guard play. Corey Joseph is absolutely not the answer. Uh, and the and De'Aaron Fox has dealt with some injuries throughout his career so far. I uh, had a high ankle sprain that kept him out for like a month on the season. So I think it makes sense for them to get a nice backup point guard for the future. Another guy who can play make well uh, in Nico Mannion. Uh, I have Philadelphia 76ers selecting Elijah Hughes, someone who can be a big-time shot maker for them off the bench, really has the ability to hit some tough shots, will take some frustrating shots at times, be a J.R. Smith type of player, but I do like that for, for them quite a bit. Uh, uh, next, I have Washington selecting uh, Reggie Perry. I think that's a really nice fit for them, a defensive four uh, who can get out, run the floor, uh, and they need defense desperately, uh, especially if they're going to retain a guy like Davis Bertans, then they're just going to need more defense, and I think he'd be a good change of pace at the at that four position, uh, even though they do have some pretty solid four depth. He'd probably be the backup four of the future uh, behind uh, Rui Hachimura. Next, I have the New York Knicks selecting Manuel quickly. They need shooting desperately. He'd be a nice 3 and D guy for them. Uh, and I think this is just the perfect range for him. Uh, I was definitely debating on the New York Knicks selecting him. And you could easily flip the Emmanuel quickly and Elijah Hughes pick. Uh, but yeah, I have him going to the New York Knicks at the number 38th pick. Uh, next, I have the New Orleans Pelicans selecting Grant Riller. They need some backup point guard play. Uh, and then someone who could just really score the ball off the bench would be a nice piece for them. 
uh, would be a nice change of pace with uh, with Lonzo Ball being obviously much more of a playmaking guy, uh, not that aggressive as a scorer. So yeah, I like Grant Riller to the uh, New Orleans Pelicans quite a bit. Uh, next, we got the Memphis Grizzlies selecting Cassius Stanley. Could be another super athletic guy for them. That fast break with John Morant, Cassius Stanley would be dangerous. Can also shoot the ball, can just come off the bench and play some impactful minutes for them. And I like that fit quite a lot. I have the Spurs selecting Vernon Carey. They uh, need big man play. He does have some uh, really nice natural talent. So uh, maybe they could uh, mold him into being a very solid player. Uh, and I like that quite a lot. Next, I have the Pelicans selecting uh, Zeke Denaji. Uh They need some uh, backup big men play for the future. Uh, and he can be someone who could shoot the ball at some point, hopefully, and could fit next alongside Zion Williamson. So, yeah, I have them drafting him. Uh, at, thir- at 13th in the second round, I have the uh, Sacramento Kings selecting Isaiah Stewart. Uh, they need big men play. Uh, they just have a lot of solid bigs in their rotation, but their bigs have dealt with injuries. Harry Giles, Marvin Bagley. So getting a guy who come in, block shots, rebound, I think that makes a ton of sense for them. Uh, next, I have the Chicago Bulls selecting Devon Dotson. Uh, they may be losing Chris Dunn, so getting another uh, point guard who could come off the bench, play good defense, uh, and play make pretty decently, I think that makes a lot of sense for them. Uh, next, I have the Orlando Magic selecting uh, Payne Pritchard. Getting another uh, shot maker for them is very, very important. They could have guys that could help him on the defensive side of the ball as well, so I like that quite a lot. Uh, next, I have the Portland Trailblazers select, selecting Killian Tilly, uh, another guy who could be a really good uh, and skilled offensive big man for them. I really like that pick because uh, he has a super high ceiling. He just has to stay healthy. So if he can be healthy, he could either be in a really nice trade chip for them or could be a player that can play impactful minutes for them. Uh, next, I have the Celtics uh, drafting Abdul Nadoi. Uh, I think it just makes a lot of sense for uh, Boston to draft someone like that, a guy who could play uh, like one through three, a guy who can handle the ball, who can play make, who has a defensive potential, who also has potential to shoot the ball. On, I like that fit quite a lot. Next, I have the Golden State Warriors selecting Trey Jones. They need some backup point guard play. Uh, and I think he could just be a very solid player for them. Uh, next, I have the 76ers drafting Jordan Noara. Absolutely need shooting very badly, uh, especially at the wing position. Need as many guys along uh, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons uh, that can shoot the ball. Uh, next, I have the Atlanta Hawks uh, selecting Nate Hinton. Absolutely perfect fit. One of my biggest sleepers in the draft. I think this is just beautiful for them. Get a guy alongside Trey Young who's going to rebound, shoot the ball, play defense, and I think that's just perfect. Next, I have the Golden State Warriors selecting uh, Jay Scrub. I really like this for them. A guy who has a lot of potential but just needs to be in a system that uh, can teach him how to be a smarter basketball player. So I love this fit, and I think Golden State could really unlock his high potential. Uh, next, I have the uh, King selecting C.J. Ellaby, another guy who could just create uh, his own shot off the bench for them. Uh, he's just, I think he's just going to be a pretty solid player. Uh, next, I got the Thunder taking Yudoka Zabuke. Uh, he could be a backup big man for the future of them, uh, for them as they really don't have that. Uh, they have a very good developmental staff, and they could try and develop his skill as he does have uh, just very good raw uh, and raw contra- uh, raw skill. Uh, next, I have the Indiana Pacers selecting uh, Yam Madar. He could be a nice defensive backup point guard for them uh, of the future. Next, I have the Nets selecting Karen Main. Uh, he has some pretty high potential, uh, and I think he could be a player that could could come in for them at some point, play some good basketball. Uh, 
at 26. In the second round, I have the uh, Charlotte Hornets selecting uh, Trevon Queen, a guard who can do a lot of different things, can shoot the ball, can attack the basket. I like his game quite a lot. Next, I have the Clippers uh, selecting Ashton Haggins, can be a backup point guard for them of the future. Reminds me a ton of Patrick Beverly on their team. So I, I would think they could mold uh, him into that similar role. Uh, the 76ers uh, selecting Cassius Winston, someone who could come in, create his own shot, play make, shoot the ball for them. Absolutely love that fit at the end of the second round. Uh, second to last pick, we got the Toronto Raptors selecting Paul Uboa, uh, someone who has an excellent frame and has some really intriguing physical attributes but needs to uh, develop his skill more, and I think the Toronto Raptors can help him do that. And with the last pick in the 2020 NBA Draft, uh, the Under Pressure Podcast Mock Draft, we have the New Orleans Pelicans selecting Tajon Alexander. Could come in, shoot the ball for them, uh, play make as well. I really like that fit a ton. Uh, just has a 3 and D guy for them. And yeah, that's been my 2020 NBA Mock Draft without trades. Next, we're going to be talking about some players that I think could potentially be steals in the 2020 NBA draft, first starting off with Killian Tilly, someone who I'm super high on. I love his ability to shoot the ball. Uh, he showed a really, really impressive ability to shoot the ball. Gonzaga shooting over 40% uh, from three. He's a player who is a bit older, uh, but he has lottery talent. It's just the injuries that have hurt him a lot. Uh, and he could be a player whose injuries hold him back from ever being a really impactful player. But if he can stay healthy, he reminds me a lot of like Danilo Gallinari and Kevin Love. Uh, a good post player who can uh, handle the ball, can shoot very well as well. And I'm in love with Killian Tilly's game. Just has to stay healthy and he's going to be very good. Uh, next, I got Alexis Pokusevsky. Uh, he's a player who could honestly be out of the league in like three years, and I wouldn't be surprised. But he also has an incredibly high ceiling. Though his body is very concerning with him being about seven foot and like 200 pounds, he can really handle the ball for his size. His ability to handle the ball is incredible uh, at his size. Uh, he can pass as well, a really good passer for a big man, has shown the ability to shoot, but did play against questionable competition uh, and does have a very questionable frame. But He has a crazy high ceiling. He, at his very, very best, and this is being very optimistic, he could be like Chris Stapp's Porzingis, but he also could be like Dog and Batter. He's one of those boomer bust type of guys who I think is definitely worth taking a flyer on, especially in a draft that doesn't really have much uh, star potential. Uh, he's one of the higher potential guys in this entire draft, to be honest, and I really like uh, Pokusevsky's game. Next, I got Nate Hinton. Uh, I've spoken highly on him so many times. I just love his uh, intangibles. He's someone who works very, very hard uh, on the glass, especially as a guard averaging 8.7 rebounds per game in college. is absolutely ridiculous. He hustles very hard. He's one of those players who is willing to put his body on the line. He's always going to be diving for loose balls, uh, going above big men in traffic and getting rebounds even if he's going to fall hard he's going to get right back up he's just a super tough player and he also has some nice skill he can really shoot the ball very well uh is good in transition definitely will never be a big time shot creator and as that's his biggest weakness by far but he's pretty well rounded at almost every other aspect of the game next i got tyrell terry uh if he's drafted uh in like the 20s where 
like I have him. I have him going to the Miami Heat. I have him like 13 on my big board, but I have him going 20 to the Heat. I think he could be an incredible player. He could be a player who's like a much better version of Seth Curry. Can really, really shoot the ball. Was an excellent shooter in college. Shot over 40% from three. Shot almost 90% from the line. Is also an unselfish playmaker who uh, he did like the IQ test. One of the highest IQ. You guys to come in the league. He went to Stanford. Super smart guy. Is also a very hard worker who took a big advantage of uh, the large amount of extra time that these prospects had. He gained two inches, gained 15 pounds of muscle, works hard on the defensive side of the ball, and this new uh, size and length that he has is definitely going to help him. So I'm in love with Tyrell Terry as a prospect. I think he's going to be very, very good in the NBA. And then uh, my last potential draft steal, we got Cassius Stanley. I just really like his game. He can shoot the ball very well, fits the mold of a 3 and D guy, works hard on the defensive side of the ball, and is going to be a very solid perimeter defender. Also has good size at around 6'6", has a ridiculous uh, 43-inch vertical. I think he had the highest vertical in Duke basketball history. Uh, is going to be a beast in transition due to that. It's going to be an excellent lob target. Uh, and I just think he fits that mold of a 3-and-D guy who's super athletic perfectly. And literally any team could use that. And I think uh, it's some team who's going to get him in the second round is really going to appreciate what he brings to their team. Next, talking about five potential draft busts. Uh, my first potential draft bust and the one I'm most worried about is Isaac Okoro. Obviously an incredible defender. Anyone who is into the draft should know how good of a defender Isaac Okoro is. By far the best perimeter uh, defender in this entire draft and would be the only guy for me that is competing with Onyeka Kongu for being uh, the, the best overall defender in this entire draft. Uh, and he can also handle the ball pretty well, can play make, but that jump shot worries me a ton. And if that jump shot doesn't come along, he gives me a lot of Stanley Johnson vibes, and that worries me a ton. Daniel jo- uh, Stanley Johnson was very, very highly coveted going into the draft, and he was just a massive bust because that offensive game really never ca- came along from him. And he was always a good defender, but he was so bad on the offensive side of the ball that it just really didn't matter how good he was but if Isaac Okoro does become a good offensive player he could be like a Jimmy Butler type of guy or even he could uh not as optimistic he could be like Justice Winslow but that uh that shooting definitely concerns me his mechanics are a little bit weird he just needs to continue to get in the gym maybe change his mechanics a little bit continue to repeat work very hard and hopefully he can become a good shooter at some point uh, next, I got Anthony Edwards. Uh, he has a lot of motor things that do worry me quite a bit. Uh, he gives me a lot of Dion Waiters vibes with him being a, a bad shot taker freak, frequently. He's really never won at any uh, level of basketball. He played high school, college. Uh, he And he's a player who relies on his raw skill, uh, I feel like, a little bit too much. And I feel like he could be... Uh, similar to in the vein of like Andrew Wiggins, a guy who's super talented, who has all the physical attributes in the world uh, to be a great player, but due to him not having a high motor and him not being a hard worker, uh, he could completely flame out. But I think he also has the potential to be very good. Just worries me uh, slightly, especially with his effort on the defensive side of the ball. That's something that worries me a ton as he has, again, all the physical attributes to be an excellent defender, but he just doesn't show the effort uh, way too frequently. Next, I got Patrick Williams. He's a player who's been rumored to be uh, maybe even drafted at seventh. 
by the Detroit Pistons, and though I think he's going to be good, it uh, just worries me with his uh, jump shooting especially. He only shot about 32% at college. His uh, form is a bit weird. Uh, and he's a player who is still pretty raw. He has excellent size and frame. He is 6'8", 225 pounds, super strong, one of the best builds in the entire draft, but I'm just not that confident in his skills exactly. And especially if he goes to a team that has a pretty bad development uh, staff like the Detroit Pistons, I think his career could uh, flame out very quickly. But if he goes to a team that has a good development of staff and he – uh, has patience and they know he's going to be a bit of a project i do think he could work out just he does have potential to be a bust and my last uh potential bust uh is james wiseman even though i don't think he's ever going to be a player who like falls out of the league super quickly i just think he could be a player who's going to be like a backup big for years and if you're drafting him at the number two pick getting a backup big man is that's a mess uh, especially when someone like Onyeka Kongwu will likely be on the board as well. And if you just get a backup big in James Wiseman, I think that's a very big miss. And I'm worried he could be that because he has a lot of motor issues. He has a lot of shot selection issues. Takes way too many fadeaway shots, uh, mid-range shots, three-point shots that he's just not simply good at uh, yet. Not a very good ball handler as well. Uh, defensive IQ worries me, and he's going to be in the league, like I said, for a long time, strictly due to his size and athleticism alone, him being 7'1", 240 pounds, and can run the floor, can protect the rim, but I'm worried he could just be a worse version of, like, Hassan Whiteside, which is very, very concerning stuff. But yeah, those are my five potential draft busts. I'm going to take a break, and I'll be right back to talk about some NFL stuff. Okay, I'm back to talk about NFL Week 10. The Buccaneers did have a bounce-back game uh, after being super disappointing uh, against the New Orleans Saints in a big game. They played much better, went back to what was working with uh, for them, ran the ball super effectively. Ronald Jones had 23 carries, 192 yards, and a touchdown. Uh capped off by that big 98-yard touchdown that he had, average 8.3 on the ground. Tom Brady was super efficient, uh, had 28 uh, for 39 passes, 341 yards, three touchdowns, didn't miss a pass here and there, but overall was very solid. Also had a rushing touchdown, had a QB sneak. Uh, Chris Godwin had six receptions for 92 yards. Mike Evans had six receptions for 77 yards and a touchdown. Antonio Brown had seven receptions for 69 yards. Gronk had two receptions for 51 yards. Uh, Cameron Brate had a touchdown. Overall, they just played excellent. Showed off that great uh, arsenal of weapons that they had. Played uh, decent on the defensive side of the ball as well. Uh, did have some mistakes here and there. They just need to cut down on the penalties. And if they uh, can get their penalties down consistently, then they're going to be one of the best defenses in the entire league because they have so much talent on that side of the ball. Great defensive coaching. Uh, and... They made some big plays, stopped a pretty decent Panthers offense, uh, even though the Panthers did start off very hot, shut him down for mostly the rest of the game. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater was just decent in this one, 18 for 24, 136 yards, two touchdowns, did have an interception, and did uh, end up getting injured. Wasn't really a fan of the play calling for the Carolina Panthers. I felt like they were being way too conservative, especially on third downs. I felt like there were so many uh, times where they were forced to punt because they made a conservative play on third down. Running game wasn't that effective as they just couldn't really run the ball uh, much, especially when uh, they were uh, dug in a bit of a hole. Uh, 
DJ Moore had a great game, uh, had 96 yards and a touchdown. And overall, their passing game just wasn't super effective. Uh, and this Panthers team is just decent. They uh, do a good job of uh, fighting in most games, but this game, they just got blown out by a better team. Uh, and for now, the Panthers are just not going to be that great of a team. But I do like their potential quite a lot, and I like the direction they're heading in for sure. And I like their potential next year, especially if they can continue to draft well. I really like that coaching staff over there. Next, I'm going to talk about Eagles versus Giants. Now, this one was a pretty surprising one. The Eagles are still in the top of the division, but they did lose to the Giants 27 to 17. And Carson Wentz absolutely must be better uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles. He was just not that good in this game at all. And I'm tired. I'm so sick and tired of uh, people giving excuses to Carson Wentz. He is a con- he is a quarterback that was paid a massive contract and was paid to be a franchise quarterback, and he hasn't been good this year. He's been so disappointing. He's been probably the most disappointing player in all of the NFL. He missed throws way too often in this game, uh, and then he just didn't really make a big play. Also, I felt like the play calling was terrible. Uh, why, I have no clue why they keep going for two in situations where it makes no sense to go for two. Stop putting in Jalen Hurts. It's not effective at all. I don't know why on the most important play of the game, they threw at James Bradbury, who's been having an excellent year. Like This, this was just an awful game for them. They had no clue how to stop the uh, run uh, from Daniel Jones. He was killing them. And like I said, Carson Wentz has to be better. He didn't make any big plays. He holds onto the ball far too often and gets hit, gets sacked. Uh, it was just a really, really bad game for them. And the defense was so disappointing. They just didn't do anything. Like I said, they could not stop Daniel Jones from running at all. Daniel Jones, who isn't a good quarterback, absolutely tore them apart. Completed 21 of 28 passes, 244 yards. Uh, didn't have any touchdowns, but did have 64 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Averaged 7.1 yards per carry. Wayne Gallman also had 53 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, it was just a really bad performance from the Eagles. And you got to give credit to the Giants as well. Daniel Jones played by far his best game in a long, long time. He actually played pretty good in this one. Uh, Darius Slayton is just an absolute beast. I wish he had a better quarterback throwing to him because he's so, so good. Had five receptions uh, for 93 yards. Uh, James Bradbury made that big play at the end of the game. Again, have no clue why they threw a James Bradbury because that man is so, so good. Uh, and has been just locking up this year. Has definitely been a big surprise for the Giants. And I'm definitely surprised they won this game. Super disappointing performance by the Eagles. They just haven't been that good of a team all year. And it's so sad that some team out of this division is going to be a playoff team. Because they all, they all suck. Like, they're all terrible. Football team is atrocious. Have zero quarterback play. Uh, Dallas, without uh, Dak Prescott especially, is just a mess. The Eagles play calling terrible. Their in their whole team is injured every week. It feels like Carson Wentz has been a massive disappointment. Daniel Jones basically every single week has at least two turnovers, and it's just it's just a guessing game to see how he'll get the turnovers. If it's gonna be a bad pass, if he's gonna be fumbling the ball, their running game isn't really that effective because they don't have Saquon Barkley anymore. Like. This division is just such a mess, and it's so so sad that the Eagles are probably going to be a playoff team, and some very solid team is going to miss out on a playoff spot because the Eagles. Oh, man, I, I just hate that so much. It's so frustrating because, man, these, these teams have been just terrible. We knew they were going to be bad coming into the year, but they've uh, disappointed severely.
Next, we're talking about by far the best game of the night. We had the Buffalo Bills versus the Arizona Cardinals. This one was absolutely incredible. Uh, first, talking about on the Cardinals side, uh, Kyler Murray was very good in this one. Completed 22 of 32 passes, had 245 yards, a touchdown. Did have an interception on a poor pass. Uh, also had two touchdowns on the ground, uh, had 61 yards rushing. He's just such an electric rusher. It, his ability to throw the ball mixed with his ability to run is one of the most just impressive things I've seen in a while out of a quarterback. He's such a talented kid, and I'm, I'm in love with Kyler Murray's games. He's one of my favorite players in the entire NFL. Uh, Kenyon Drake had 16 carries for 100 yards. DeAndre Hopkins had seven receptions, 127 yards, a touchdown, and we all we all know what that touchdown was—an absolutely beautiful ball from Kyler Murray. First of all, did a great job of evading pressure, and then it just seemed like he threw that ball, he threw that hail mary deep pass so effortlessly. And then you obviously have to give a ton of credit to, to DeAndre Hopkins. A hell of a catch from him. Triple teamed, and the better player just made the catch. Uh, the defense didn't even do anything wrong. DeAndre Hopkins is just one of the uh, best jump ball receivers in the entire league. Ridiculous hops, ridiculous size, and some of the best hands we've seen in a long, long time. DeAndre Hopkins is a truly special player, and that was that was a really special play from him. Really exciting stuff. Uh, their defense did make some important plays. They uh, got two picks. Definitely need to see them get after the quarterback more, though. They didn't get a single sack on this game. And that is my thing about the Cardinals is they're very, very good. But I don't know if they could be like a Super Bowl team yet, which isn't necessarily a problem because Kyler Murray still, at the end of the day, a very young player. They still have a lot of young players on their team. Isaiah Simmons hasn't really been unlocked yet. Like They're far from the perfect team. Uh, but in a pretty weak NFC uh, they got to take advantage of it, and honestly, they could be a team that uh, could surprise and fight for a Super Bowl, because this NFC is just so random. I could honestly see, what, six different teams uh, making the Super Bowl in the NFC, and I honestly wouldn't be surprised, and the Cardinals are definitely one of them. They're a super talented team, and they're really special. I absolutely have uh, loved what I've seen from the Cardinals this year, and that play was one of the most exciting things. I've seen in a long, long time. That was incredible stuff. On the Bills side, Josh Allen had a pretty decent game. Did have two interceptions. Um, made some of those frustrating Josh Allen plays that he makes here and there. He's definitely got a lot better at cutting down on them this year, but they're still going to pop up uh, occasionally. Isaiah uh, McKenzie had uh, a passing touchdown on a, a trick play, and Josh Allen was the one receiving that. Uh, Cole Beasley had 11 receptions, 109 yards, and a touchdown. Stephon Diggs had 93 yards and a touchdown. I thought that was going to be the walk-off touchdown. It was really cool to see two receivers who probably got traded for way less value than they deserved in Stephon Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins. Both went off this game. Both made massive plays. We thought I thought Stephon Diggs, uh, that was the walk-off touchdown, and then DeAndre Hopkins got the actual walk-off touchdown. This was just an incredible game with two very good teams. I'm not worried about the Bills at all. Cause this Cardinals team is very, very solid, and it makes sense that they would lose a game like this, and they lost in the most wild way possible. So I'm still very confident in this Bills team. I am a little bit worried about their defenses. That's been a consistent issue all year, which is weird because their defense was so good last year. Uh, but this offense with Josh Allen playing the way he has this year is just going to continue to be super good. And Stefan Diggs has truly been just a massive uh, game changer for them. He's been excellent. 
Uh, and such an underrated pickup. I can't believe they got him for, like, what, a fourth-round pick? I know he was pretty, like, blatant about wanting to be uh, out of Minnesota, which m- makes sense that they wouldn't get that much value for him. But still, absolute steal for them. Next, talking about Seahawks versus Rams. I am very worried about the Seattle Seahawks, if I'm being completely honest. Uh, I believe the Rams are the best team in this division. Uh, I'd be very close. Like, the Seahawks, Rams, and Cardinals are so close to each other that I could see any one of them making a Super Bowl run, but I could also see any one of them knocked out in the first round. It's just how weird the NFC is uh, this year. Just kind of how it is. Russell Wilson has just simply not been that good uh, these past couple games. After a crazy start where he was absolutely on fire and was playing uh, some of, if not the best football of his career, he's really slowed down. Uh, He completed 22 of 37 passes, 248 yards, two interceptions, uh, missed... uh, some wide open plays he had and a completely wide open first down where he easily could have scrambled for it and then threw an interception uh, he's just been making some very out of character plays and it's really weird uh, i think we're definitely seeing the effect of their running game being completely uh diminished with the injuries that they've been dealing with uh chris carson being out is a huge hurt for them he needs to be back and that's another thing that i'm worried about is that chris carson has dealt with injuries these past two years and it's always been a very, very big hurt for them. Uh, and they still have a ton of talent on the offensive side of the ball. Russell Wilson, though he's been disappointing these past couple games, is still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Tyler Lockett is incredible. DK Metcalf, though he got shut down by Jalen Ramsey. Uh, Jalen Ramsey is so incredible. The fact that you can stop a guy like DK Metcalf the way he did is really, really impressive stuff. Uh, DK Metcalf is still great. They have so much talent on the offensive side of the ball. But their defense is so concerning. They do a terrible job of getting after the quarterback. And against a team like the Rams, you're going to need to get after a quarter, after the quarterback, uh, especially because Jared Goff isn't the best decision maker when he's truly pressured to be a precision uh, pocket passer and make difficult plays against like hidden coverage and stuff like that. Uh and, I mean, Jamal Adams is definitely a big difference maker for them in that. He had two sacks, but he's been consistently dealing with injuries the entire year, and that's been a massive issue for them. Uh, and, yeah, I'm, I'm just worried about the Seattle Seahawks. But on the Rams' side, uh, I mean, they just played some very solid football. Jared Goff didn't do anything special, but he uh, played smart, uh, completed 27 of his 37 uh, passes, had 302 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, the run game was pretty effective as it's been all year. They have, like, a three- uh, headed uh, running back trio that have all been performing excellently this year. They had three uh, touchdowns on the ground uh, in the receiving game. Uh, Josh Reynolds had uh, 94 yards. Tyler Higby had 60 yards. Cooper Cup had 50. Uh, they played some very good defense. Uh, Darius Williams had two interceptions. Leonard Floyd had three sacks in this one, had an absolutely monster game. Michael Brockers had a sack. They did such a job, good job of getting after Russell Wilson. Terrell Lewis also had two sacks. Aaron Donald didn't even have uh, a sack this game, but his just gravity alone uh, makes it so much easier for all the defensive linemen around him, and I think that's such an underrated part of his game. It's just how much he helps the other people around him because of the gravity that he holds. Uh, but yeah, I'm worried about the Seahawks. I don't even know if they're the best team in their division anymore. I was so confident in them. I was always a little bit worried about their defense because it's been a consistent issue the entire year, and they very clearly lack talent on that side of the ball. But yeah, I'm a little bit worried about them. 
Uh, next, talking about Ravens versus Patriots. This was a very interesting one. Uh, first, getting this out of the way, there were some atrocious uh, conditions as far as the, as the weather, and that's obviously going to affect the teams. That's uh, going to affect how people perform. But I'm, I'm worried about uh, the Ravens. If you've listened to the podcast uh, this year, I haven't been confident in the Ravens yet because they didn't show me last year in the playoffs to be confident in them. So I feel the exact same way I did last year. Uh, I'm just still not that confident in them. Uh, Lamar was decent this game, had uh, completed 24 of his 34 passes, 249 yards, two touchdowns, did have an interception, also had 55 yards on the ground. Uh, but I'm just not that confident in them in a big playoff game because they truly lack that number one receiver and they need to get more help for Lamar Jackson. It's an absolute must that Lamar Jackson gets a number one guy because until they do, they're just not going to have that. There were so many drops in this game, which again, makes sense because of the uh, conditions of the weather. But at the end of the day, these receivers just simply aren't that good. Marquise Brown has been kind of disappointing. Mark, uh, Mark Andrews is their best receiver as a tight end. Uh, and even he's not been like crazy this season. He's been uh, very solid. Uh, and they're, uh, play calling is super predictable. Even in uh, a Lamar Jackson interview, he was talking about how other teams were like calling out the plays they were running. Teams have caught on and are figuring out about this Baltimore Ravens team. I even I remembered when I was uh, watching something where someone was talking about how like they ran the first play. I think it was against the Indianapolis Colts. They ran the first, uh, the same first play at the beginning of the first half and their first play on the second half. Like, you can't do stuff like that. They're becoming way too predictable. They don't have a truly number one receiver. Uh, and their play calling hasn't been that good. And Lamar Jackson has been super disappointing this year. After coming off a ridiculous MVP season, he just hasn't been that same dude. And I think it's due to people catching on to this uh, Ravens style of play and them catching on to their play calling and them uh, realizing that without a number one receiver, they're not going to be uh, nearly deadly enough to be a true, like, can. I don't think they're a true upper-tier contender. They're probably a second-tier contender, but I'd put them in the same range as, like, the Rams, honestly, where I just can't see them uh, winning a Super Bowl, to be honest. And if they have a matchup against a team with a really good coach like Bill Belichick, then I think it, it, they're screwed because Bill Belichick was running circles around this Ravens team as far as a coach. He was killing them, and... It was definitely an ugly look for them. Now, on the Patriots' side, they've played some very efficient football, ran the ball heavily, which made sense completely due to the weather conditions and due to them not having much of a vertical threat anyway. Cam Newton completed 13-17 to 17 passes, 118 yards, and a touchdown. Jacoby Myers had 24 uh, yards and a touchdown passing on a trick play. That was super exciting. Beautiful throw from him. That was really impressive. It looks like the Patriots have found uh, their running back with Damian Harris. He's been playing some excellent football for us uh, I've really enjoyed watching him uh, and even though it's disappointing that Sh Sony Michelle isn't going to be our guy when we invested so much into him at least it, it's exciting to know that we have a guy in Damian Harris who's very very good uh, Cam Newton also had a rushing touchdown Jacoby Myers uh, had 59 yards receiving too he's stepped up big time with all these injuries and been really impressive uh, JC Jackson had an interception he's so underrated I, I love JC Jackson he's been incredible for the Patriots for so many years now uh, and their defense just made a lot of very timely plays. Uh, Josh Uche got his first career sack. That was exciting to see. 
Uh, and Bill Belichick really coached up this defense and uh, stopped uh, the Ravens' offense very, very well. I was incredibly impressed by the Patriots' performance. Still don't think they're going to make the playoffs because they're just not that talented and they dug themselves into a hole. Uh, but they can be a solid team that's going to be competitive, probably around the 8-8 eight and eight range, I'd guess. Next and last, we're going to talk about Chargers versus Dolphins. Uh, we got to see Justin Herbert versus Tuatunga Bailoa, and honestly, it was a pretty disappointing game. I'm not going to lie to you guys. Justin Herbert uh, probably had his worst game of his career so far. He completed 20 of 32 passes, 187 yards, two touchdowns, an interception. Missed a lot of the throws that uh, you'd expect him to make, and he's been making all year. Did have a touchdown on the ground as well. Wasn't awful by any means, but was just decent, which with the such high expectations that we've set for Justin Herbert with how excellent he's played all year is disappointing him just being decent. Uh, Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry each had a touchdown. Uh, and they, they ran the ball a lot for sure, which was a little bit confusing because, I mean, Justin Herbert's so good, and even though he wasn't great, and even said in like, a post-game interview that was their plan to run the ball a lot. And, I mean, Galen Balazs was decent. It wasn't like he was completely ineffective, uh, but with, without Austin Eckler, their running game just hasn't been great all year, so it's definitely a weird decision for them to rely on the run more. Uh, and then their defense, I mean, really didn't do much. They did a horrible job after getting... Uh, at getting after Tua Tungavailoa and pressuring him. Uh, definitely got to be better with that. And they were just uh, a little bit disappointing. They just played a, a fine game, didn't do anything special, which is decent. Uh, Tua was just fine in this game as well. He was. It's kind of in the similar situation to Justin Herbert. They were just both fine this game. Tua had uh, 15 completions on 25 attempts, 169 yards, two touchdowns. Really wasn't asked to do much. Uh, and more relied on his running game, more relied on his defense. Uh, Salvan uh, Ahmad had uh, 85 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Jakeem Grant had 43 yards and a touchdown receiving. Mike Siki uh, had 40 yards. Devontae Parker had 31. It was just a pretty uh, mundane offensive game for both teams. It was more of a defensively focused and running game. Uh, and, I mean, this Dolphins defense is really good. They do an excellent job of co covering. Uh, they don't get after the quarterback great, but they do a good enough job. And I just think their coaching is so good. I think Mike Flores is easily one of the best coaches in the entire league, and nobody should even make a debate against that. And it was cool to see these two young quarterbacks who were drafted right back-to-back -back, uh, play each other. But I, I would have loved to see a shootout where they were both playing excellent. It was just a little disappointing, if I'm being honest, but... Uh, Dolphins did pull off a win, and the Dolphins are a really good team. They're 6-3, and three, have played some excellent football this year, and have been really impressive. I think they are nearly the best team uh, in the AFC East. I could very well see them being a better team than the Bills. I'm in love with this Dolphins team. But yeah, that's been the episode of the Under Pressure Podcast, 2 hour and 30 three minute episode i really hope you guys did enjoy please leave a like please share this with your friends and yeah it's for michael peace out